Amen. Thank you, Brother Frank. Hey, it's good to be in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Philippians 3.10 is where we're going to be this morning. And I invite you, if you would, preach with me. And uh, let the truth of the, let your, add your voice to the truth of God's word. Hey, church matters. Amen. Amen. It matters for us as a congregation. It, it matters for the community. The Bible describes the church as the pillar and ground of truth. The Bible describes the church, the coming together, the assembling is the light of the world, the soul. We are the physical manifestation of the body of Christ here on earth. Church matters. And I'm going to tell you, church ought to be a place where people can find help. The church is a hospital, not a museum. And I'm going to tell you, the great thing about the hospital of the church is the great physician's in charge. His name is Jesus. The church ought to be a place where people can find help. The church ought to be a place where people can find hope, amen? Hope is not found in an election. It's not found in financial cycles or jobs. Hope is found in Jesus. And in the reality, for those that know him, the best is yet to come. Church ought to be a place for people to find help. Church ought to be a place where people find hope. Church ought to be a place where people can find home. But I'm going to tell you, the efficacy of the individual Christian or even the collective church, us as a church, can be found and is based in our closeness with Christ. Jesus said in John 15, in verse number 5, he said, I am the vine and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. Read that last part with me. For without me, ye can do nothing. In other words, my effectiveness as a Christian, my effectiveness as a pastor, our effectiveness as a church is directly related to our closeness with Christ. You want to talk about our fellowship, our closeness, our connectedness that we have with one another as a church. Well, boy, even that is directly related to our fellowship, our connectedness, and our closeness with Christ. Look at 1 John chapter 1 and verse number 7. Here the apostle says this, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we can do what? We can have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all our sin. I'm going to tell you, church, there is one thing that is truly desperately needful for us, and that is to be closer to Jesus. That is to be more surrendered to Jesus. That is to be more like Jesus. For more of Him to be in and through us. So this morning, this first Sunday of 2024, I want us to consider Paul's declaration in Philippians 3.10. And look this morning, if we could, at three essentials to a closer walk with Christ. I'm going to dump my cough drops out so they're prepared and ready to go, and we'll get through it. Amen? Three essentials this morning to a closer walk with Christ. Philippians 3.10, let's read it in unison. Ready? The Bible says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Number one this morning, consider this, a closer walk with Christ, in order for that to be a reality, it must be a priority. A closer walk with Christ. 
In order for that to be a reality, it must be a priority. Philippians 3.10 begins with the word that. They'll give you a little grammatical understanding here. The word that is a word that indicates purpose. It indicates our intention. It indicates our priority. In other words, when we get to Philippians 3.10, and Paul is saying that I may know him, the that, what it is doing, is making known the why that belongs to the preceding what. And so we have to go back a little bit to see what has Paul been doing in order that I may know him. Well, let's go back, if we could, Philippians 3. Go back to verse number 4. If we go back to verse number 4, we see Paul wrote this. He said, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof that he might trust in his flesh... I more. Paul says, you think you've done well in life? You think that you've built yourself up? You think you've accomplished something? He said, guess what, bucko? He said, as much as you think that you've built yourself up, that you've accomplished something, he said, if we want to play this game, I'm more than you. Look at some of the accomplishments that he lists. Verse number five. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, he said, I was blameless. So Paul lists out all of these things which were really very incredible and highly respected accomplishments that Paul had achieved in his life. But Christ's desire to know Christ, Paul's desire to know Christ, had led him to stop and take a holy and honest assessment of his life pursuits. And though Paul had built much for himself, he had an impressive resume. He had impressive religion. He had impressive rituals. He had impressive resources and outward righteousness. Paul said, though he had all of these things, look what he says in verses 7 and 8. He said, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ my Lord. Look at this. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. Paul said, all of that stuff that I had built up, all of that stuff that I had thought was so important, all of that stuff that, that, that made me who I thought I was, he said, when I compare it to knowing him, he said, I count it, I hold it, I regard it, I disown it like dung. Now, I don't want to be off color this morning. But none of us do our business, turn around, and try to decide whether we should hold on to it. Am I right? We get rid of it, amen? Because it ain't worth keeping. Paul said, when I look at life before Christ, when I look at life without Christ, he said, it is but dung. And I can't let go. I can't get rid. I can't disown it fast enough. 
You know, when it comes to walking with Christ and knowing him, in order for a, us to have a closer walk with Christ, in order for that to be a reality, it must be a priority. The Bible is very clear. When you look in the scripture, there is a clear priority to seeking and following Christ in scripture. In Matthew 10, beginning in verse 37, Jesus said this, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Verse 38. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Verse 39. He that findeth his life shall lose it. And he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. You see, Jesus himself calls us to let go, to let go of our lives in the entrapments of this world and to give ourselves to following him, to make our walk with Christ our number one priority. I love what Job said in Job 23 and verse number 12. There Job said, neither have I gone back from the commandments of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I want God more than I want breakfast, lunch, or dinner. I want God more than I want comfort, more than I want prosperity, more than I want temporal peace, more than I want earthly relationships. When I put them side by side, Jesus is my priority. You ever stop and think about how much we put into stuff that really doesn't matter eternally? You know, I looked it up. It's estimated that the Super Bowl this year, that the revenue from the Super Bowl is going to make approximately $16.5 billion. That's a lot of money to be spent on a football game. Unless it's your team, right? I mean, then every penny, right? Lions and Browns in the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. <clears throat> They estimate $16.5 billion will be spent on the Super Bowl this year. They estimate last year that people spent $10 billion on Black Friday alone. $10 billion for stuff that's not even being played with anymore. $10 billion for stuff. Not only is it not being played with, they don't even know where it is. It's been two weeks and it's gone. It's lost. I mean, it's buried at the bottom of some toy box. It's broken already in the trash. Or they returned it and kept the cash. Amen. <laughs> $10 billion. And if this is not a comment on our society, they estimate last year McDonald's revenue topped $23 billion. McDonald's. Hmm. You ever stop and think how much we put into stuff that really doesn't matter eternally? You ever stop and think about how much useless stuff we know? I talked about it last week a little bit with the internet. You get on Google, I mean, you can learn how to barbecue a zebra. I mean, you can learn literally anything you want to learn. And we, we put so much into stuff that just really, it matters for a moment here on earth, but it doesn't make a lick of difference for eternity. And the problem is this, we pursue and we hold on to all this stuff from the world. And when we do that, you know what happens? Jesus gets pushed out. You see, I only have so much time. You see, I only have so much focus. You see, I only have so much energy. You see, I only have so much money. You see, I only have so much. We are limited 
And so when I allow life and the world and even the devil to fill my life with this and 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 this, none of it's necessarily even bad. But my life becomes so full that I don't have room for what matters most. And all of a sudden, I don't have time to read my Bible, and I don't have time to truly pray, and I don't have time to seek the Lord. And boy, I try to fit him in where I can. No, if, what we need more than anything, church, is we need a closer walk with Jesus. If we're going to have a closer walk with Jesus this year, for that to be a reality, it has to be a priority. We have to stop being slave to the urgent and be surrendered to what truly matters. You know, I'm afraid as well that perhaps we've produced a pretty soft version of Christianity that is just simply content to keep God at arm's length. We're scared to death to truly make our relationship with God our passion and priority because we are scared to death that if we go all in, we might have to give up something. Here's the thing, you will. To make Jesus your priority, you will. To take up your cross and die to yourself daily, you will. And the thing is, no one sets out to lose in this life. We've crafted this American dream where we don't lose, we just win. We win and win and win and gain and gain and gain. No one sets out to lose. But Paul said, boy, when I look at this thing of knowing Jesus, of knowing him, he said, I'm going to let go. I'm willing to lose everything else like it was done. Because Christ is worthy. Of us letting everything else go. He is worth it. Think about it this way. I thought a great illustration of this would be marriage. You know, when we get married, what do we do? We let go of the rest so you can pursue what matters most. You know, hopefully you don't get married and simply add your wife to your list of girlfriends. But honey, you will be my my most specialist girlfriend. But... You know, it's really not reasonable for you to ask me to walk away from so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so. But don't worry. Of the girlfriends, you're number one, baby. That's not re- that, That's a deal breaker, isn't it? Hmm. It's not about adding Jesus to your life. It's not about adding Jesus to your home. It's not about adding Jesus to our church. It's about us giving ourselves to him so passionately and seeking to draw near to him as our utmost priority every day. And I love the promise from James 4 that if we draw nigh to God, what does it say, church? That he will do what? He will draw nigh to us. Christian, would you make your walk with God a priority this year? That means get God in the morning. Get God more than your food. Get God in a more meaningful way. Why? That I may know him. You know what we need? We need a closer walk with God. Amen. Amen. I need to be more like him. I want more of him to shine through me. Well, if that's going to be a reality, number one, it's got to be a priority. It's got to be a priority. But number two, let's look back at verse number 10. Say it with me. Read it in unison with me again if you could. Paul wrote, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. So not only does it need to be a priority, but number two, it needs to be personal. It needs to be personal. 
Look at the first five words of that verse. That I may know him. It's not a we, it's a me. That I may know him. 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 It's personal. It's not about religion. It's not about ritual. It's about a relationship that I may know him. The, the, the Greek word for the word know that's behind our English word, it's a pretty specific word. The word that's used there does not emphasize simply a head knowledge or an intellectual information. That's not what that emphasizes. Rather, this word emphasizes an intimate experiential knowledge. In other words, it's not that I know about him. It's not that I am familiar or, 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 or familiar with information about him. It's that I know him. That I am familiar with him personally. Knowing him, church, is different than knowing about him. A lot of people know about him. Or a lot of people think they know about him. But they don't know him. This is different than knowing about him. This is also different. Uh, this is also different than, than wanting the benefits that he brings. You see, some people really don't want to know God. They just want to know peace. They want to know the joy. They want to know prosperity. They want to know the abundant life. They want the blessings, but they really don't have a heart to know the blesser. But this is about knowing him and wanting him. You go to the book of Psalms. And you read some of the songs, psalms that David and some of the other psalmists wrote about wanting God. And I'm going to tell you, there is a depth of, of, of passion that these psalmists have. It almost makes them, they use language that almost makes them sound like this is like an addiction or something. Look how, look how it was written. Psalm 63. We'll start there this morning. Psalm 63. Look at some of these verses. Verse number one. It wrote, oh God. Thou art my God. Early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee. My flesh longeth for thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. Boy, you know, that's something I can imagine about. But when's the last time that I really felt that? that I felt if I didn't get to God, if I didn't get closer to Him, if I didn't draw nearer to His presence, that, that, that I was going to wither away and die. Boy, when's the last time I actually experienced wanting God personally like that? Psalm 43, I believe it is. Psalm I know Psalm 42, sorry. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. As the deer or the heart panteth after the water brooks, so my soul panteth, uh, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Verse number 2. 
My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? How the heart of the psalmist longed to be in the presence of God. Psalm 73, verse 25. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. The craving of the heart and the soul to be closer to God, to know Him more fully and more deeply. I'm going to tell you our greatest need is to personally learn to long for and crave for His person and His presence. To be so passionately in love with Him. You know, that is the greatest commandment. Matthew 22, Jesus was asked, what was the greatest commandment? Verse number 37, He said this. He said, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. And by the way, this is something that Jesus is reiterating from Deuteronomy. It's an Old Testament truth. This is something Paul reiterates. I mean, all throughout the Bible, what do we need? We need to be more in love with Jesus. I think sometimes we confuse building a crowd or being part of a crowd with true intimate companionship. You know, it's really not that hard to build a crowd. You know, if I said I'm going to have a get-together at my house and anybody can show up, and you said, well, what are we going to eat? And I said, I don't know, I guess whatever you bring. Um, yeah, I look forward to seeing what it is. I, I don't know how many of you would join me. But if I were to say, you know what, I went to the finest butcher I know and, and, and I purchased about $1,500 in filet mignon and I'm going to have some guy that actually knows how to cook it on site and I'm going to pay him and, and uh, we're just going to have a good time and we're going to fellowship and we're going to eat till our hearts are content and, and we're just going to enjoy the good things of the Lord and, and maybe I'll even have an entertainer, somebody to do like sleight of hand or, or, or somebody to do tricks or do something and, and we're just going to have a great time. What, bounce houses for the kids? I, I'm, I'll just use my neighbors, y'all. And uh, man, we'll just shut the street down. I mean, I know Bill Brown, and Bill Brown can just have the city shut the street down. And, and I'm, I'm sparing no expense. Just come, come and be filled, come and have fun, come and do all these things. I'm gonna tell you what, I would probably see people that haven't darkened the door of this church in six years or more. I would, I would learn I had relatives I didn't know about. See, it's not hard to build a crowd. All you need is a little flash. All you need is a little this. All you need is a little that. But I'm going to tell you, that, that's not what worship is. That's not what Christianity is. It's not about coming and being entertained and being hyped and being all fired up. Boy, I love that. Well, guess what? Let me, let me say in love, when we come and we worship the Lord, I'm going to tell you, it's not first and foremost about you. It's not about me. You know, it's sad that a lot of Christians walk out of churches today and be like, well, I just really didn't think church was that good today. I, I didn't really enjoy worship. It didn't really speak to me. Here's the problem. We end that way. We, we leave that way because we come looking to be entertained. We come looking to be this. We come looking to be that. But the reality is, if we would just come looking for Jesus, uh-oh, where two or three are gathered together in my name, what does the Bible say? There am I in the midst of them. We got at least two or three here today. Amen? That means there is a uniqueness to the presence of God in this place today. And here's the thing. We may not have sung your favorite song, and I might not be your favorite preacher, but if, if you came today looking for Jesus, guess what? 
you go find him. And when you find Jesus, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find everything you've ever needed and more. Come to get him and you will always find that you get what you need. See, if for a closer walk with Christ, in order for it to be a reality, it must be personal. That I may know him. It's not about my wife. It's not about my kids. It's not about the person in the pew next to me. It's not about the preacher or the deacons or the Sunday school teachers. It's that I, Alan Holmes, you put your name in, that I may know him. The problem is... Boy, isn't it the truth? It's easy for personal passion to cool. You look at the church of Ephesus, the Lord spoke about in the book of Revelation. And in verses, Revelation 2, verses 2 and 3, the Lord lists a lot of the wonderful things this church did. They had labor and patience. They couldn't bear them which were evil. And they called out the, the workers of the devil. And verse number 3, it talks more about their labors and, and, and all the things that they had done. And they had labored and not fainted. All that is wonderful, amen. But verse number 4, we see a striking statement. Jesus says to this church, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee. Why? Because thou hast left thy first love. Isn't it so easy for that to cool in our hearts? And we don't even realize. To go back to the marriage illustration. To go back to the marriage illustration. The only way for a marriage, a couple, to be more in love, more in sync, and more one today is if we are intentional about cultivating that relationship. If you're not intentional, it does not happen. I'm going to tell you, it becomes very easy for relationships to be defined by duty over devotion. And when that happens with God, here's what happens. You know what? We grimace our way through a service or two a week and a chapter or two a day. Well, we got to keep the devil away, right? And so we grimace through it and the relationship comes, becomes about duty more than devotion. It's easy for personal passion to cool, but the cultivation of a personal walk with God that I may know him is not the work of a day or two. It is the work of a lifetime talking to him, of listening to him, of responding to him. Boy, that's what we miss sometimes. God speaks to our hearts and we think, boy, that's nice, Lord. And we don't ever do anything with it. Of responding to him. Okay, Lord, thank you. Now what do I do with this? I love the words of Jesus in Matthew 5 in verse number 6. The Bible says this. Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. I'm going to tell you this. Write this one down. Jesus is not a resource for living a better life. He is the reason for living life. Paul said that I may know him. But that's not where the verse ends. I've got, got one more thought to give to us this morning. You still with me? Say amen. amen. Verse number 10. Read it in unison together. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Hey, what we need this year is a closer walk with Christ. Amen. I want to walk closer with Jesus. Well, if that's going to be a reality, number one, it has to be a priority. 
Number two, if that's going to be a reality, it has to be personal. But number three, this closer walk with Christ, in order for it to be reality, we also must realize that it is a process. As we mentioned earlier, relationships are, are things that are cultivated. We're not talking about religion. We're not talking about ritual. We're talking about relationship. I have a living relationship with the living God. Amen? In relationships, all of them must be cultivated day by day, moment by moment. It is a process. Again, we talked about marriage. If I'm going to be more in love with my wife today than tomorrow, it has to be intentional. If I'm going to be more in sync with my wife today than tomorrow, it has to be intentional. If we're going to be more one, more unified, it has to be intentional. Any other process doesn't work. Well, boy, the same way is true with Christ. If I'm going to walk with Christ, it must be intentional, and I must allow Christ to work his process in my life. You see, when we walk with Christ, he will change us. By the way, relationships change us. That's a normal thing. I am not the man I was before I married my wife. She has changed me for the good. But I'm going to tell you, even more so, my relationship with Christ, he doesn't just change us, he transforms us. Because this is not, when we consider our relationship with Christ, this is not a relationship among equals. He, he is the master, amen? He is Lord, King of kings. And I love how Paul points out in verse 10 that when I come to know him, I don't just come to know him, I get to also know the power of his resurrection. Hallelujah, there is nothing like resurrection power. You know, the resurrection of Jesus Christ was the loudest articulation of the power of God in all of human history. Romans 1 in verse number 4 says, really the resurrection is what declared Jesus to be the Son of God with power. There is nothing like resurrection power. And I'm going to tell you, the risen Jesus changes everything. Amen. Resurrection power is the power to walk in victory over sin. To walk in victory over the devil. Resurrection power tears down strongholds. Resurrection power allows us to endure, to overcome, to make a difference. Why? Because the resurrection power of Christ lives within me. And as I come to know Him, he changes me. He transforms me. And he transforms me through resurrection power. Church, we have to understand that resurrection power is a supernatural thing. It is not a try harder thing. Well, I'm just going to try harder and harder. It's not about that. It is a supernatural thing. And it's not a luck thing or a superstitious thing. It is a spirit-filled supernatural thing that God works within us. Why? 1 John 4 and verse 4. Because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. That is resurrection power. And I'm telling you, as you walk with God as you walk closer with Christ every day, His resurrection power will change you. It'll change your goals. It'll change your dreams. It'll change your home. It'll change your loyalties. It'll give you overcoming power. It'll allow you to walk in victory. It'll give you stabilizing power, help you not get so high and so low. Resurrection power changes everything. Everything. I'm grateful for resurrection power. 
But did you notice the verse doesn't stop there? That I may know him, what, and the power of his resurrection. Boy, I love that. Amen? Amen, church? But did you see how it continues? Not only in the power of his resurrection, but what does it say next? And the fellowship of his what? Sufferings. I don't like that one as much, do you? Oh, I mean, give me resurrection power every day. Give me victory every day. Give me strength every day. You can keep the suffering, amen? But that's not how it works. Because the Bible is very clear that I may know him. A closer walk with Christ. It's going to be a process. And there is going to be resurrection power, but the process doesn't just involve the power of his resurrection. Hear me, church. The, the process also involves the pain of his cross. Have any of us ever prayed and asked for suffering? I have not. Okay? If you have, you're either crazier than I am or you're more spiritual than I am. And I don't really care to figure out which. I think you're nuts. But um, I don't pray for suffering. I don't pray for pain. Pain and suffering is something we try to avoid. Pain and suffering is something we pray to take away, amen? I'm going to tell you, sadly, on a subconscious level, many, many believers have bought into the lie that, you know what, if we just had enough faith or if God really loved us, then we wouldn't really have to ever struggle at all. But that's not reality, is it? We want a smooth path. We want marriages we don't have to work for, kids we don't have to work on, health that never ends, money that never runs out, success that never dims or fades. Boy, we want the power of his resurrection, but how often do we buck at the pain of his cross? You know, I'm reminded, church, the words of Jesus still call us, Luke 9 and verse number 23, many other places. The words of Jesus still call us to do what? Deny ourselves. To take up our cross daily. And to follow him. In church, there is a recognition that we have to make. That many times God allows sufferings in our lives. We get to share. He suffered and we suffer as well. But I'm encouraged because the Bible teaches that God does a work in suffering that cannot be done anywhere else. James 1 reminds us that we really ought to rejoice when we fall into many types of trials and temptations. James 1 verse 2. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into divers temptations, testings. Why? Verse 3. Knowing this, that the trying, the testing, the fire applied to your faith works patience or endurance. Verse 4. But let patience have her perfect work. Why? That ye may be perfect, mature, entire, lacking nothing. In other words, there are things that God accomplishes in the struggle of our life that he could never accomplish in the success of our life. In the fire, metal is refined. 
In the fire, impurities are removed. In the fire, metal is shaped and molded into the desired uh, shapes. And one, one refiner who used some of the old-fashioned methods, when he was asked, how did he know when the metal, when the gold, the silver, how did he know when it was pure? And the old refiner made the statement. He said, I continue to refine the metal until I can see a clear reflection of myself. When I look into the ore. What a beautiful thought. That God will continue to refine our lives. And, and, and you know what? Praise God for the power of his resurrection. But also praise God for the fellowship of his suffering. Because God will continue to refine our lives until what? Until we reflect his image. In a more perfect way. Church, God does his greatest work in our suffering and brokenness. I'm reminded that in our suffering, 1 Corinthians 12, his grace is sufficient. Amen? I'm reminded that in our suffering, in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. I'm reminded in my pain and in my struggle and in my trials that he is the God of all comfort. I am reminded that thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ and that in Him we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. If I'm going to have a closer walk with God this year, if that's going to be a reality, I'm going to have to recognize there must be a process. So what do I do when I find myself in trials and tribulations? What do I do when life hurts so bad that I don't know if I can go on another day? What do I do? I endure by God's grace. And I engage by God's glory. Why? That I may know Him. As we start this year, church matters. Amen? I want this church. I want this called out assembly. Guys, my heart is that this place would be a place where people can find help. That people can find hope. But here's the thing. People don't need to find help and hope in me. And they don't need to find help and hope in you. They need to find help and hope in Jesus. They need Jesus. But you know what that means? That means I need to be as close to Jesus as I can be. So that they can see Jesus in me. And so that they can see Jesus in you. That means I need to make it my prayer that I walk closer to Christ. It's more of a priority. It's more personal. I'm embracing the process that I am walking closer to Christ today than I was yesterday. And I want to make it my prayer that I'm walking closer with Him tomorrow than I am today. I was reading through Philippians this morning. The, uh, the medication is wonderful. It helps you feel a little better. But the one thing it takes away from you is sleep. So like 4 o'clock this morning and the medicines have me up. And I'm very awake. So I'm like, let's read through this book. And I'm reading through Philippians. And I struck this morning about how dependent we are. You know, you think about the things that our heart longs for. You know, our heart longs for joy. Happiness. But you know where Philippians teaches us that is? 
confidence in Him. Rejoice in the Lord. Our heart longs for peace. Our heart longs for stability and comfort. Do you know where that comes from? It comes from Him. That, that is, we, we cast all our care on Him and we make our petitions known. He gives us a peace that passes all understanding. He supplies all our needs according to His riches and glory. Hey, I want, I want unity in this body. I want to see us be one for the glory of God. You know where Philippians teaches us that comes from? It comes from Him. Everything this heart longs for is wrapped up in Him. And I'm going to tell you, church, let's not make it a what this year. Let's make it who. Who are we seeking this year? And we would seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all the other things the Bible says will be added unto us. But how I was struck with the one verse in Philippians. Paul said, for me to live is Christ. Even to die and gain is gain. I ask this morning could the prayer of our hearts be, Lord, help me fall more insanely in love with you each day, that I make it more of a priority. Some of us need to get some priorities straight this morning. That I make it more personal. It's not just about going to church or doing these things. It's about that I may know Him. And that I engage and don't become discouraged with the process. Whether it's the power of His resurrection or the fellowship of His suffering, He's doing a work in me. This morning, if you're here without Christ, could I encourage you, make today the day that you receive Him in faith. You can bow your head, bow your heart, turn from your sin and turn to the Savior this morning. Receive Him today. If you have any questions about what that means, get my attention during this invitation. Accept the invitation to receive Jesus. Oh, would the rest of us that have received Him Pray and ask that God would revive something within us, restore something within us. Why? That I may know Him.